but my mom was actually at the hospital and my mom comes in and she just had this look like it, it's over like she literally looked like I had died you know um, like she had just experienced watching her son die or something you know which she pretty much just had We appreciate you joining us for this Run the Race podcast. Hard to believe we are already two months into the year 2020, and uh, it's an exciting time to be alive. And I uh, want you to subscribe to this podcast, Run the Race, and you can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, all kinds of places. Tell your friends about it. And uh, we talk about fitness and faith on a regular basis. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, a local TV news anchor who uh, loves to run and do other fitness things and, and uh, also uh, loves to, to serve God and uh, um, walk out my faith. And so we're going to be talking about that some today and talking about getting out of your comfort zone, not just kind of doing things that are just normal and things that kind of feel easy to you, but kind of doing the hard things to be able to get the successes and really the amazing life that God wants for you. And I'm recording this on Ash Wednesday, which is a day of repentance when Christians confess their sins and profess their devotion to God. It's also the start of Lent. Maybe maybe you're giving something up for the next 40 days if you believe in that. Uh, this leads up to Easter when me, us as Christians, we believe Jesus was resurrected. We're going to talk a little bit more about Lent later in this podcast, but I want to keep this intro kind of short because we have such a great guest for this episode number 15. He's a young man who I've known for several years. He was a, a major drug addict, homeless, had to be brought back to life after a drug overdose, in fact, hit rock bottom, led him back to rehab and really ultimately to God. Now he's really turned his life around and for years has been an evangelist who has started and now leads a Georgia-based ministry called Take the City. It's really an international ministry. He is also an avid hiker and runner. We've knocked out a few miles together. And Andrew Chalmers started with local outreaches, uh, which is going out you know, on a monthly basis to areas where we live and to neighborhoods, handing out waters, cleaning up trash, just talking to people, going door to door, asking what they need in terms of prayer, just a simple task like that. Now he travels all around the United States and really the world essentially equipping pastors and church members to do the same kind of outreaches, including last summer when uh, I actually joined him and two other guys for a full week in Africa. It was a once-in-a-lifetime trip. Speaking of being out of your comfort zone, uh, this was a 16 hours worth of flight each way, uh, the last one being a uh, that long of a flight from Johannesburg, South Africa, to Atlanta, Georgia. Long time to be on a plane. Um, I don't really sleep well on a plane, so definitely out of my comfort zone. But when we were in Africa, the two places that we were mainly at when I was there was Nairobi, Kenya and Blantyre, Malawi, that country known as the warm heart of Africa because people there are just so friendly. We did street outreaches in downtown and brick cities out in the dirt, preaching and singing and dancing with the kids. And really, uh, it was a cultural eye-opener for me, at least. We you know, had so many different languages and foods, and, and just the people were just so open and receptive and humble and joyful. And, uh, you know, it, for me, it gained new, much-needed perspective. So I encourage you to, to find a trip to go on, a mission trip, 
uh, with your church or, or something else, a, a trip, an, a, an adventure where you can gain a new perspective on life, not just going through uh, the people and places you to on a regular basis. Uh, as for Andrew, he and his wife and three kids also recently went to Israel for more than a week. For this podcast episode, we're going to talk to him about seeing the world, how God can radically change someone's life really under any circumstances, like him essentially being dead from drugs. Also, how physical fitness can impact someone's faith and vice versa. So here's my conversation with him. All right, I'd like to welcome uh, my good friend, Andrew Chalmers, to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So uh, we're going to start with a fast four and some rapid fire questions. So the first one is, what is your job description, uh, both at work and also at home? So my job description at work, I run a uh, nonprofit ministry. So my primary job is to raise money, uh, provide leadership to my team, and uh, just help make sure that we're continuing to grow grow the ministry at home. My job is to cook a lot of meals. My <laughs> wife uh, likes me to cook a lot. Um, and then also, of course, help with the kids. You know, me and Ellen, we kind of, uh, we tag team a lot of the, the different jobs at home. So. Yeah. Busy as a, as a father and a husband. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. Um, tell me about uh, what you do on a regular basis to stay physically fit. So I like to go running. I recently got into the RPM spin class at my gym, which I never thought I would ever do, but I got into it. I, I do like it now. And then um, I also do some, you know, some weightlifting kind of training, but a little bit of that. Um, so that's kind of my cycle. And then I like to go maybe once a month hiking or do some sort of like long extended adventure thing like that. Uh, do you have um, a spiritual motto or maybe a particular Bible verse that you live by or, or kind of really focus on maybe each day? Yes, I do. So one of the most impactful things uh, for me in my spiritual journey um, is something that Jesus said in the Gospel of John, in John 15, and um, he said that if if I will abide or remain in him and he in me, then I will bear much fruit. And then he goes on to say, apart from him, I can do nothing. So that for me is a, just an important reminder of my spirituality that I need to stay connected to that and stay connected to him. And um, that if I don't, uh, then I'm probably not going to be able to do the things that um, he's asking me to do. Yeah. And lastly, in the fast four is what is something unique about uh, Andrew Chalmers? Well, uh, it's hard to think about what's unique, but I would say one of the things that came to mind was, um, you know, over the past, I think seven years, I've actually had multiple times in the night when I was sleeping, I had dreams. And then later the thing I dreamed about actually happened. And these aren't like, you know, I ate eggs in my dream. And then a few hours later, I I ate eggs, you know, for breakfast or whatever. Like these are really unique things um, over the past few years. So I I would say that's, that's pretty unique that I've, I've had dreams that have, uh, have actually come to pass. Yeah, well, that's that's amazing. That's that's you know, it's God fulfilling some of these things for you. You know, mm-hmm. well, uh, let's let's talk about your story. You've come a long way in the last uh, you know decade or more. Um, tell us about you know you obviously you know um, take us back to your life where you you know hard drugs, life on the streets, all the way now transformed into an evangelist for God with a growing family. Start with you know um, how far you fell because I, I it sound you know I, I know from your story and, and us being friends that you you hit rock bottom. 
Yeah, so when I was about 15 years old, was in high school, you know, I lived in uh, the Atlanta metro, uh, great, you know, area, middle class family, uh, very good family. Um, but I, uh, around 15, one of my friends in high school was stealing prescription pills from his dad. And these were opiate, uh, very addictive uh, opiate narcotics. And he just started sharing it with me. And, uh, you know, from that day, literally the first time I ever tried them, um, I remember this thought I had was I never want to stop feeling this way and um, instantly became addicted. And so for the next six years from 15 to 21, I struggled with, with addiction and really like lost myself in it. I lost my, my motivation. I, I lost my ethics. I like things I said I would never do, you know, the way that my parents raised me, really became a person that I, that I wasn't. Um, it like robbed me of who I was. The drugs just completely took over. And, um, you know, over that time I did, uh, actually have some periods where I was able to get off drugs for a period of time. And, but I would just go back and forth and back and forth. And finally in 2009, um, went through some really tough, like relational things and, and just life circumstances that, uh, for me were so hard for me to, to handle that I, that I just went deeper and deeper into drugs than ever before. And what happened because of that, I lost my job, my apartment, lost my car. Um, you know, just one thing after another, eventually lost all my money, maxed out all my credit cards, you know, the story like boom, 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 boom. And then, um, eventually, Towards the end, uh, I actually almost lost my life. Uh, one of the most scary things that happened to me was a drug overdose, and um, this was a uh, heroin or opioids. Yeah, this just op- a mix. This is a mixture of actually a bunch of drugs that I had taken. And I, I remember they. I was in the hospital. I didn't know where I was. I, I had blacked out and was completely unconscious, and I was dying. My heart was stopping, and. Uh, they resuscitate me and when they resuscitated me and they gave me um, these drugs to bring me back, I remember just thinking like, this can't be real. You know, this can't be real. This can't be happening. And um, I didn't believe it was real. I thought I was like in a dream. Like an out-of-body experience. Yeah, I didn't understand. But I looked at the doctor and I said, bring my mom. And I, I didn't even know if my mom was there. I don't know why I asked it, but my mom was actually at the hospital. And my mom comes in and she just had this look like it, it's over. Like she literally looked like I had died, you know, um, like she had just experienced watching her son die or something, you know, which she pretty much just had. And uh, I think from that experience, I, you know, really just went deeper and deeper into that darkness and eventually, um, you know, wound up just on the streets, you know, in Atlanta, um, living out of a like a duffel bag and, uh, stealing to get drugs and, um, you know, just, just barely scraping by, you know, uh, my parents on a Sunday found out about, uh, this program that could help me called teen challenge. And at that same day I called them and to this, to this day, I don't really remember why exactly I called them. They hadn't heard from me. They didn't know if I was alive or dead, but I just decided like that day to call them. And uh, I don't think it was a coincidence that I decided that day to call them. But my dad said, hey, I'd, I'll help you. 
and I was like, I'm not ready. But the next morning I had a, uh, kind of a, a scary experience and I decided, um, okay, I need to get out of here. And so I called my dad and he drove into the inner city and he found me and, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the story. I, I ended up getting into a teen challenge program and, and that is where my life dramatically changed. Um, when I was there, it really, that's where my turnaround started. And, um, but I definitely had to hit a, a pretty hard bottom. Everyone I know that struggles with addiction has to hit a bottom. Um, you know, and, but everyone's bottom is different. Uh, but for me, I, I'm a pretty stubborn person. So, you know, I had to go pretty low, I think, to realize how messed up I was. Yeah. But, you know, just I think for me, I had to realize, first of all, I needed help. Um, that was hard to admit that I that I needed I needed help. It had know. to be an extreme wake up call for you. Yep. Yep. What made this work or was was did God do something for you or, or alongside you that maybe had never happened before? You know, so I had been to a lot of rehab experiences like with groups and even faith-based recovery programs and meetings and group homes. And like, I mean, I did kind of the gamut of the recovery world. And like, it wasn't so much the program as, you know, uh, like you said, it was kind of like experience or encounter what set it apart. I think for me, it was... One, I had finally reached a place where I was really willing to surrender and to admit I needed help. So I think maybe the other places I had been before could have helped me. Um, but I wasn't willing to be like, I need, I really need help. In other words, in the previous programs I'd been in, I had a lot of reservations of things I didn't want to let go of. Um, things that were not good for me. They weren't necessarily drugs but they were other destructive behaviors. And finally, you know, when I was there, I just had a really amazing time where I got to get to know uh, how much God loved me. And I think experiencing his love um, and the fact that He, God wanted a relationship with me, even though I was at my worst, I think that is what blew me away, that God wanted relationship. He he wanted to bring me into that relationship, even though I was like the opposite of everything I knew I should have been. Like I was doing a lot of really bad stuff, but he still wanted me. And that's like, you know, and I think that's the, the good news that I really discovered in that program was that, you know, I believe Jesus came and died for me. Um, even when I was at my worst, like he didn't come for me just when I was doing my best you know, he wasn't just expecting me to like do my best and then be good enough for God. But like, he literally came for me when I was at my worst. And that was what I kind of realized was like, wow, God has a plan for me. And, and, um, you know, he loves me even, even when I'm at my worst. I mean, we know it with our kids, like with your kids, you can still love them at your worst, but you know, it's still hard to realize that for yourself. Like when you've messed up so many times that, um, that there's still hope for you. So, and yeah. cause it's that unconditional love that, you know, sometimes we think we have to do all these things to, to earn things yeah. from, you know, people and from God, but that's not the truth, you know? So it, it's, it's amazing. And fitness or, or maybe more specifically running 
was a part of your recovery. Talk about that because, you know, um, you know, mental health is such a huge thing and, you know, doing stuff physically can really kind of pair with that pretty well. It's huge. So a funny story. When I first went into rehab, um, it was around Thanksgiving time. It was really hard to be away from like family around that time. So I was there through the holidays. My first month as I was detoxing off drugs, I'm, it's the holidays. And, you don't uh, get to enjoy the big turkey meal with the family, or no, not at all. And I was I was like a thousand miles from home, so I was you know I was just totally isolated, didn't know anyone. Um, and I remember they were all like, "Let's play football," and so we had this huge just pickup football game on like Thanksgiving Day. And I remember I went out there and played. I had a blast. It was just so much fun, just getting out and like being active. It was probably the first time in years. Even though I was 21, but it probably been years since I had done something like that. But what's funny is after that, I could barely walk for the next week. <laughs> after after this football game, I was so sore from running. <laughs> um, and so, what's interesting is I think I realized like how out of shape I was. And so, me and some of the guys that I was there with realized um, we wanted to kind of take care of our bodies, get into shape. And so we had to, um, they kind of gave you a window of time before you could really exercise in the program. They didn't want you to really focus on anything else except the main things you needed to do. And then they would sort of give you privileges. So eventually I got to, and um, one of the things I started doing was running, which is funny because I was like never a runner. I played soccer when I was younger, but I hated running laps. Like I just, you know, never was into it. It's usually, it's usually punishment in most sports. Exactly. So I started doing it. And, um, I'll never forget, you know, one of the interesting things that running and exercise did for me is I, I started running and towards the end of my time, as I was, as I was completing a program, mind you, I went through a one year rehab program. So that means I'm away from my family for a year. I don't have a job, you know, except working at their jobs for a year. I don't have freedom for, you know, it was like, it was a long commitment, and, um, but as I started running, what I would do is I would, I would, I would run laps, like run a, you know, a couple miles. And, um, at the end I would sprint to the end and it was like a mental and spiritual exercise saying, you know, I'm going to run, but at the end I'm going to run harder and faster than I have the whole time. I'm going to finish well. And it was this like statement that I made like mentally and psychologically and spiritually that I'm going to finish this program well. And I watched a lot of people that came in the program at the same time as me. They did not finish the program. And many of them went back on drugs. Many of them are dead today. They died of drug overdoses. Many of them are in prison. Mm. So, I mean, that's the stark reality of people that where we all were. But I was just, that running, it was like even like a, it, it even helped me just process like, I want to finish well. Like, I want to finish this program. Like, even though I don't want to be here and I want to leave and I wanted to leave months ago, no, like I'm going to finish. And so I think running, even it's like doing something you don't like to do is good for you. Yeah. And doing it every day or doing it every few days. Like we should always be making ourselves doing things that are hard because it it trains you not to be comfortable. It doesn't, you know, it's real easy to get complacent in life and lazy, you know, but forcing yourself to do something that's hard is is good for you. And I think that was one of the big things in my recovery was actually just learning to exercise and become healthy. And I think the last thing I, I would say about it is it really helped me overcome any like anxiety and depression that I had struggled with before. 
So I had been diagnosed with a lot of, uh, I had been on um, antidepressants for years. I had also been uh, diagnosed with a, um, I had a severe panic disorder, so I would have panic attacks. Well, once I started running and jogging and getting spiritually, you know, fit as well, all those things sort of combined since that time. So in 10 years, I've never needed any medication for depression or anxiety. I think that the the physiological, psychological effects of running can be really, really helpful in just improving your mood and, you know, decreasing anxiety and and stuff like that. So if anyone's in recovery, I definitely recommend it. Like try to find other things that are going to help regulate your your mind and, and help you improve that mood. Yeah, a natural way to you know release those endorphins and also maybe um, get you where you're because you know running can give you energy even though it can be tiring and yeah. also it can a way to kind of maybe talk to somebody else or pray or just kind of um, maybe get some of that stress out you know yeah. kind of sweat it out right yeah it helps clear my mind yeah you know it helps me process things even hard things when you're running you're thinking about it and you're like working through it so yeah, yeah. I agree. And speaking of your uh, your mind and in your heart, um, you know you um, you know and, and you were talking earlier about visions and dreams. Uh, but after you know you went through the Teen Challenge program, got off drugs, and were successful in trying to you know be a new person in Christ, um, you uh, you had some visions in Columbus, Georgia, where you lived, in terms of okay, what's going to happen next? What am I going to do with my life? And, and uh, that were pretty powerful for you as well, right? Yeah, you know when I moved to Columbus. One of the interesting things that happened is the the week before I was asked to move here, I was still working for Teen Challenge at the time, but the week before I was asked to move here for a job, I was actually online researching apartments in Columbus, Georgia. I'd only been here like three times, but I was already looking for apartments. It's like I knew I was coming here. And then when my boss at the time called me and said, hey, they're transferring you to Columbus, I was like, I'm not even surprised. Like, I, It's like I knew it was happening. You know, moving to a new city can be hard when it's just you. So um, during that time, I just really decided like, hey, I'm going to take this this time to really pursue my spiritual relationship with God and spend a lot of time praying and reading the Bible. And during that time, I was reading the book of Joshua and uh, got, uh, you know, just began studying that. And one of the things that happened to me is I was, I was working for Teen Challenge. We were planning this event that was going to um, reach out all over Columbus and Phoenix City. And as we were planning it, uh, I was driving over the Second Avenue Bridge that sort of goes over these railroad tracks. And you get this beautiful video uh, view of the city as you're coming in. And as I, I did that, I, I really just had this like vision. And, uh, and the Lord uh, spoke to me at the same time as I was driving and just said, um, take the city. And I was like, what does that mean? You know, but it was like, <laughs> I never thought of take the city and sure. I never seen it. I, but, but it was this like resonating thought inside of me, take the city. And what I realized is that, um, that God was calling me to be a part of what he wants to do and really redeeming and restoring this community, um, and helping the city, uh, you know, there's a lot I think that has sabotaged and robbed and st- stolen from our city, like addiction and, just so much like poverty and just issues that are happening. And uh, I think what God was saying is like, I want to take the city back from the poverty, from the addiction. I like, it's not God's will that people are stuck in addiction. God's desire is that they could be freed. And so this picture that he showed me was almost this picture of like God taking back the city from all the, the darkness and the depravity and the like, 
the stuff that's destroying families and people and like it was like God gave me his heart saying like I want to take it back I want to redeem the city you know so yeah it was powerful yeah and this started out as a monthly outreach that you did through team challenge maybe some rough parts of town so uh, that kind of spawned what it is today because it's Take the City has been a nonprofit for, I believe, uh, four plus years now, yeah. right? Yeah. So I had no idea <laughs> or no plan to start a nonprofit. Um, I didn't even know what that meant to start a nonprofit, honestly, before I did it. Uh, but yeah, for three years, we were not a nonprofit. We were just gathering in different locations, and people from all these churches started coming. I mean, like sometimes we'd have 100, 150 volunteers that would just show up from maybe 20 different churches. Uh, not one church, but I mean, dozens of churches were represented, and it was it was pretty astonishing at first. Like, wow, like this is this is unique, um, because I, I think in reality a lot of a lot of organizations and churches do a lot of great things, but they don't really work well together. And so for me, it was astonishing to see so many different youth. Like we had multiple youth groups coming together, multiple churches coming together, and working together to you know impact the city. Um, so after doing that for a few years, you know, then I really felt like it was time to start a, a nonprofit. And so that's when we, you know, launched out and, and yeah. got it going. You get a lot of times they say, uh, what they say, Sunday is one of the most segregated times because people are kind of so separated by denominations or even race yeah. and that, um, part of the vision or mission of take the city is to unify churches, which is something that maybe is not always talked about, right? Yeah, it, it really isn't. And you know, organizations and churches, not only in this area, but I mean, I've been all over the country the past three years in dozens and dozens of cities doing events and conferences similar to what we do here. It's the same everywhere. I mean, there's there's a tendency to get so busy in what we're doing that we don't connect with others. And the sad thing is that I think we're missing out on the power of synergy and the power of collaboration. And um, we can do so much more together than we can uh, just as individuals. But a lot of times what happens is is we want our organization or our church to get the credit or be the one that runs the program or, you know, anyways. So I think our heart is to see those walls of race and denomination break down. And um, I think one of the things that's really on my heart is that the walls of competition uh, would be broken down because... In reality, you know, in my belief, um, all the churches and, and uh, these organizations are, are all after the same thing. So technically, we're on the same team. So if we're on the same team, then why aren't we working together? Uh, it's it's uh, it's a little it's it's alarming, and I, I think that the reality is we c- we could see this city. Um, radically transformed i think in a very short period of time if people would come together yeah but i think one of the biggest things holding the city back from its greatest potential is the silos that we've created the lack of cooperation and collaboration and relationship there's so little authentic relationship you know you have a lot of leaders in this in the city that know each other but we don't really know each other so i think um one of the exciting things that we've seen in the last few years are those walls are coming down, yeah. you know, and people are really starting to work together in some incredible ways. Yeah. 
and people that are listening to this podcast, I mean, they can, you know, wherever they are in the U.S. or the world, they can relate because this, like you said, you traveled for years all over to different cities um, all over the U.S., um, helping to teach some of this evangelism and outreach, how Take the City does it, and some of the same experiences, like you said. And and also, you know, um, kind of have gone global now in a sense, because I know you've um, been to Israel recently with your family, but also um, I had the opportunity to go with you last summer. Uh, four of us kind of went as a, a band of brothers to Africa mm-hmm. to um, evangelize, but also kind of uh, help uh, teach some leaders there, some pastors there, okay, this is how we do street outreach and this is how you bring, you know, so giving them the tools so that when, you know, a team like us leaves, they're able to continue that on and yep. carry the baton, you know, uh, Africa, how is it different in terms of maybe the way they worship and the culture and stuff than what we experience in America here? Yeah. So, I mean, cult- culturally, the people are very communal. They, they're very, very, communal they're very much together um a lot they love to be together like even just just like the people the towns the villages i mean it's just people are out and about they're like together they're talking whereas um i feel like in the u.s we're a lot more individualistic so we go to work and then we come home and we drive into our you know um our uh we go through the garage door close the garage door go into our house and like don't talk to anybody you That's know right. except who we want to it's our space well in africa it's like <laughs> everyone's everywhere and they're just together and it's you know loud and fun and 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 great food and things like that yeah, it is great food yeah i think um i've just learned so much there you know we definitely have gone there you know hosting conferences and going there to teach uh but in a lot of ways i think i've learned a lot specifically from the churches there because the um, the body of Christ in Africa has um, such a an appetite or like a hunger uh, for the Lord and for the things of God um, that is is it's so far above what I've seen in the United States that I almost can't even compare it. Here's what I mean: um, in Africa, when they throw a prayer meeting. Um, what they mean is we're going to get together and, and we're not going to pray for an hour. No, like we might start at 6 p.m. and finish at 6 a.m. Wow. And that's normal. And we, when we were there, you remember, we would host events. We'd be out all day. And at 10 o'clock when we left, they were just starting their prayer meetings. Yeah. And they were about to go all night. And this is several times a week. Yeah. Their commitment and their zeal... Um, really challenged me. In fact, so much so that when I came back, um, I changed some major rhythms and patterns of my own life because I was so moved by our time with them. Right. Like it it changed my life. Yeah. How prayer and worship are a priority over pretty much anything else. Yeah. They're, they're definitely hungry for God. And I think there's a, there's something, you know, in the um, Sermon on the Mount, you know, that Jesus said, he said, blessed are those that are hungry and thirsty, for they shall be filled. And um, I think that's something that really I want more of that I saw there was just a genuine, like, they they want the things of God, you know, there. And they're very passionate and genuine about it. So I think it was, it was really, really uh, cool to see that. When they... When they host services, they definitely dance a lot, and there's, you know, it's it's different culturally um, in those ways, and different music, and 
sometimes the speakers are really loud and you feel like your ears are going to pop out and they're, you know, it's like <laughs> going for hours and hours and hours. And, and, and some speak English, but there's several other languages as well that yeah. you Swahili and everything else. Yeah. Uh, and we spent uh, a good chunk of, we were in Kenya, but we spent a good chunk of time in Malawi which is the the warm heart of Africa, as it's called. And, you know, um, you and I both like to run. We've run together a few times yeah. here in Georgia, but we had a chance <laughs> to run there. I forgot about this. We went to run like three or four miles, and um, I think a, a mile in there was a soccer team, or football as they call it there, and they were just coming back from practice. And so yeah. they just kind of joined in running with these Americans. Um, and that's, that's pretty cool. That shows, you know, how friendly they are, but it shows that, like, you know, um, exercise is a, as a way to kind of transcend culture and relationships in, in, in some ways, right? Yeah, that was funny. So we, we are in the middle of this city, one of the main cities in Malawi, and we're running. And as we're running, I think first, a total stranger, this random African guy, I think he starts following us. Sure. And, and he just starts running with us. And we strike up a conversation and we just start talking to him. I think Trey was with us as well. And then I think... That's Trey Rager. Yeah. And then... And then... Uh, I can't remember properly. But I do remember there was two other guys. And they saw that we were running together. And so, like, we slowly picked up, like, this following of runners. <laughs> but these were people just walking down the street. All, and and we just... football team. Yeah. We pick up this group. And, like, we just had <laughs> such a great conversation. And so, yeah. I think there's something about running and exercise and sports that transcends culture and language even where it's just there's something uh, about it that just brings people together it's not divisive it it helps unify you know yeah. and it's something that you know you can run anywhere i mean it's it's mm -hmm. uh something where you just you know need a pair of shoes and and go off and running anywhere in the entire world um and for you i know one of the things that you know along with running you you enjoy hiking kind of adventurous stuff across mm -hmm. the world. Um, you had kind of a recent uh, trip with your family. I know you like to try to bring your whole family that's growing right now mm -hmm. uh, with you. So tell me about, um, you know, is that something that you guys try to do together as well, like hiking adventures? Yeah. Yeah, so we actually, we took, uh, we were just in Israel for, for over two weeks. And when we were there, we stayed with some friends that live in the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights is... Um, for the first 20 years of Israel's history was actually Syria. Uh, and so these, this was like enemy territory that was constantly bombing the, uh, the Jews that were living over in Israel. And then the six day war happens in the 1960s, they took the Golan Heights. And so now Israel has possession of, of the Golan and we stayed up there and it's, it's very unique because uh, most tour groups don't go up there, but we spent, we spent a week actually just living up there. And, uh, so we went hiking and, um, there, there are, there are these, um, uh, these riverbeds that are dry most of the year, but we were there in the winter time. And, um, Mount Hermon is the largest mountain in the region, uh, largest mountain in Israel. It's a, it's a, uh, a biblical mountain. It's talks about in the Bible. Uh, but the snow, uh, melts and then, you know, creates all these riverbeds. And so we went and actually hiked to a uh, beautiful uh, waterfall. And uh, in fact, we started a um, YouTube channel called the Chalmers Family. And so people can uh, even follow our hiking. We've done several hiking episodes. So we're starting a vlog on YouTube. So 
people can even check that out too. Like we, we did a whole episode about our hike to this waterfall and I have a drone. So I was able to like fly the drone, and, <laughs> you know, check it out. So I, I just love stuff like that. And my family, you know, we, we enjoyed it. And, and, um, there's just something powerful about getting out there, getting exercise, getting fresh air, seeing beautiful things, even challenging things. You know, sometimes it's good to be together as a family and, and face a challenge or step in some cow patties or, you know, whatever, <laughs> like, and try try to uh, overcome the adversity, perhaps. Right? Exactly. Together, yeah. yeah. And um, I know that uh, you guys, uh, you know, for those maybe that are listening that have a family and say, I don't know if I can go on this trip with a family, or it's it's going to be a lot of work if I have a, a you know a young child or something like that. So we decided to get into backpacking as an entire family. Mind you, I have uh, two under two, and then a, an, we have an older son named Landon who's really able to pull his own weight. You so know. you and your wife and three children. Yeah. And uh, we got into backpacking, uh, which is kind of ludicrous that we would get into <laughs> backpacking with three kids. But we did. So what we did is we committed, uh, one of our goals was to hike the whole trail, which is like 24, 26 miles. And uh, so we went out on, um, uh, on the trail uh, like a Friday night, hiked in a couple miles, camped, and then proceeded to spend the next like two or three days uh, backpacking with, uh, with our, our babies in, and then we brought a couple of like older boys that are my son's age. And, um, it was really hard. It was really, really <laughs> tough. You know, we had to carry the, my two year old at the time. And so he was in a pack. So that limited the amount that my wife could hold. Um, and, and actually she was pregnant. So she was like three or four months pregnant. Wow. So it was like, she's pregnant holding a baby. And anyways, but we did the whole trail and I will never forget that last mile, you know, where we had been living off of like, you know, uh, dried food for three, four days, you know, just filtering all our own water, sleeping. I hate sleeping on the ground. Anyway, like no, <laughs> no sleep, you know, the kids are tired. Sure, sure. We have kid, you know, babies with us. Are we there yet? But we finally get there and I'll never forget my son and his friends. They just start running. And they were exhausted, but they just started running. And then we get there and like, we took a picture together and the feeling of like, we did it. Like we accomplished it together. I think that was like, uh, definitely a top, you know, one of the top memories probably we'll have as a family is like accomplishing something hard together. So I would just say, if you've got a family, if you've got kids, um, and maybe you say, well, you don't know my kids. Well, I don't know your kids. So, but here's what I would say is, is, um, I think it's, it's good as a family to actually lean into things together that might be harder and convenient. Because uh, sometimes it's in those places, I think, where we have created the the most fun memories is not the convenient things that we did. It's not playing it safe, you know. But it actually is the times where we do things and people are like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, yeah, we're taking our kids here. and We're going to do this. And they're like, I can't believe that. Like, But we do it. And it's just memories are created. So, you know, it was hard. But, but it's worth it now in hindsight. Yeah. And great exercise. And like you said earlier, you know, it's, um, a way that, you know, God wants us to get out of our comfort zone, not just do the same things to live a life more abundantly. And that's something that, you know, maybe we can, um, show to our kids, not just with our words, but our actions. Cause they're going to, they're going to, they're going to see that more than they listen to what we say or tell mm-hmm. them to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me too, like hiking, um, you know, finding things that I can do with my kids that are going to get us away out of our common, you know, zone of screen time and television and 
whatever, you know, the, the, the mundane of just life and getting out and then getting time to like talk and hang out. I think there's just like, we're learning to connect at such a deeper level because we take those times to get away. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean the, the fitness and the spiritual aspect of it is, uh, really is so much more important than what we have on our smartphones and mm-hmm. our schedules and those kind of things. Uh, but I know whether you're hiking or running or in Israel or traveling for take the city ministry for you, I know something important for you is coffee. Uh, <laughs> mm, I'm drink. I was literally drinking it as you said. That's that. right. So we, uh, you brought some uh, some coffee for us, um, some to enjoy while we're uh, recording this podcast from Harvest Coffee, and um, and so uh, I've got uh, a cup myself of Harvest Coffee, and uh, it's actually just recently opened by Take the City, kind of unique, a coffee ice cream shop in Columbus, Georgia, just opened up earlier this month. And um, it's uh, all the money goes to the ministries that Take the City does, you know, helping sex trafficking victims, helping with the outreaches, uh, travel to really teach and um, other leaders. So, um, you know, how is that going so far? Is that something that, you know, what's the goal of having, you know, a coffee shop right in the middle of your nonprofit ministry? Yeah. So we've had a dream for several years. Remember at the beginning, I talked about dreams that have come true. (laughs) I didn't have a dream in the middle of the night like that I was going to have a coffee shop, but I had a a vision and an aspiration for a number of years that I wanted us to have a space. It's not really about coffee, but it's about creating a space for community and connection with one another, but also for people to connect with God, not on a Sunday, but like all week, any day of the week, any time. That's kind of the idea that we had. It just blew my mind because we didn't go out asking for it. Uh, someone came to us and asked if they could help um, just completely outside of us. Even I didn't even realize they knew about this idea we had. And so um, so we so we decided to move forward. And so it's called Harvest Coffee Community. We have, um, you know, just like uh, it's like craft coffee. So so it's like you're more like European style coffee shop where we serve uh, like a espresso, Americano, Cortado, um cappuccino lattes uh we have a really simple menu um i've just been inspired by a lot of the coffee shops that i've seen in like the middle east mediterranean europe and then we found a ice cream place here in georgia that has cows on their fields (laughs) and they milk their cows right They, they take the milk they have a creamery on the property and they literally churn and make ice cream from the cream of the the cows on their property nice and uh, these guys came down, did like a sales pitch with us uh, a few months ago, and they just brought all these samples. And so like our whole staff, we got together and just ate ice cream for an hour. <laughs> Sounds like a tough job. And we, yeah, yeah, we were just blown away. So so um, the ice cream is is really, really good. And, and uh, kind of the unique thing that we sell is called an affogato, which is ice cream and espresso uh, together. And so you actually eat it. So it's like an edible coffee treat kind of a thing we have people coming the last couple weeks a lot of people in the morning and like having it like as kind of like a breakfast i'm like this is amazing (laughs) ice cream in the morning right it's shifting the culture of our city (laughs) well because i mean you can have uh and you can have some powerful conversations just with somebody over coffee or Mm -hmm. over like a dessert something like that that can change you know people's lives yeah and that's the goal i guess is to really kind of bring people together and you just so happen to have some coffee and ice cream there to kind of in the middle of it, you know? Yeah, we've seen last in the last couple of weeks, we've actually seen a bunch of people come in 
maybe just trying to get coffee, um, but have really had some amazing um, prayer times and encounters like with our team. Um, so we actually see the coffee shop as a means to minister to people and be there for them. So the coffee shop, in a lot of senses, is an outreach that happens six days a week for, you know, over 12 hours. And it's, it's always there. And so we're always just reaching out to people, loving on our neighbors, um, you know, and just serving people. And so it's it's really been cool. Like the, the idea is that it's business and ministry together. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, great partnership there. Well, I usually close the podcast with a, a prayer, um, so I'm going to let you uh, take the honor of doing that. If you can close us out in prayer from this uh, uh, interview, uh, just about uh, whatever you'd like to pray about. Yeah, awesome. Well, God, we just thank you so much uh, that you are a God of restoration. You're a God of miracles. With you, there's nothing that's too hard or too impossible. And Lord, I do just pray for anyone that's listening right now that uh, God, maybe if they're feeling uh, like they need encouragement or they need a fresh vision uh or maybe everything's going great and they were just listening, uh, Lord, I just pray that whatever they need, God, that you would impart to them uh, just grace and uh, impart to them your love. And uh, Lord, I, I just pray a special blessing over them right now, God. And I pray that anything that we talked about today um, that they needed to hear, God, I pray that it would encourage them and strengthen them in their faith and, and on their journey. And God, I pray that if anybody listening, uh, maybe they feel like they're far from you or they haven't had a relationship with you, God, I just pray that they would feel inspired to connect with you and to, to come to you and, and come close and I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for us so that our sins could be forgiven and so that we could come close to God and, and live in relationship with him. And so, Father, we just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for Jason, and thank you for this podcast, Lord. I pray that you would continue to just inspire people in faith and um, and also in fitness and in so many different areas, Lord. So just pray a special blessing over this, and, and thank you for this time that we've had together. Amen. 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 Well, uh, um, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Looking forward to our next uh, cup of coffee or maybe run together very soon. Yeah. Thanks, Jason. No, it was so cool just to sit down with Andrew over coffee and talk about all these things for the podcast. So many exciting things happening in his life compared to how it was, you know, more than a decade ago. Uh, him and his wife Ellen, in fact, uh, moved years ago into what's called a, a life house. Uh, they have Project Lifehouse. It's part of Take the City Ministry. Uh, they're really, you know, action speaks louder than words. They're putting their money where their mouth is because uh, Project Lifehouse is where they are taking these uh, homes that are uh, run down in the, uh, you know, East Alabama, West Georgia areas, fixing those houses up in impoverished areas and then putting families or people in them like themselves and then they go and try to bring hope and transformation to those communities by by living there, living with the people, doing service projects, maybe uh, creating a garden and outreaches. So they are definitely uh, living out their faith, and it's great to see. And I'm proud to say I'm on the board for Take the City. So uh, if you're ever interested in getting involved with that, because, again, it's, it's kind of moved nationally, uh, definitely let us know. Now to our final segments, including food for thought and some uh, interesting tidbits when it comes to getting out of your comfort zone.
We're going to start on the fitness side of things. CBS New York is reporting that uh, uh, some fitness studios are giving uh, hot workouts the cold shoulder, as they say, putting into practice the exercise in, in those maybe frigid temperatures could actually uh, burn more calories, according to some experts. I was definitely out of uh, some people's comfort zone when they went into the gym and did this. The class, they call it burn with an emphasis on the burr offering high intensity and low temperatures the theory is that working out in the cold or inside when it's cold temperatures is more refreshing can help you burn more calories instructors say those frigid temps also trigger the body's metabolism to to keep you warm to get it to working and experts say exercising outside in cooler weather can also boost your mood and immunity during cold and flu season so uh, I agree with that in some ways but when sometimes when I'm out there doing uh, several miles or maybe a long run and it's a uh, pretty cold out there you do do warm up after about a mile or two but it is uh cold and uh you got to get your body warmed up and get those muscles moving to make sure you do not get injured Turning now to the faith aspect of things for Food for Thought, uh, we were talking earlier about how uh, I'm recording this on Ash Wednesday, and you may have chosen to give up something for 40 days as the start of Lent. Again, it's a six-week period of fasting, self-sacrifice, prayer, and uh, this is observed by Christians, uh, especially Catholics, each year to prepare for the celebration of Easter when we talk about Jesus. And, uh, you know, maybe um, you can uh, send something to me. If you are giving something up for Lent, I'd love to know it. Go to Jason Dennis WTVM on Facebook or Twitter. Hit me up. Let me know. Also, use the hashtag RunTheRacePodcast. And again, this uh, 40-day period has a special significance in the Old and New Testaments. Uh, Moses spent 40 days and nights with God on Mount Sinai. Jesus also is depicted as being led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. So that 40 is definitely an important number. Finally, today we have the parting gift, which is a quote from Jack Canfield, the co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Some great books there that have been around for many, many years. Uh, Jack Canfield says, quote, the biggest rewards in life are found outside your comfort zone. Live with it. Fear and risk are prerequisites if you want to enjoy a life of success and adventure. So he's saying carpe diem, uh, take a chance, uh, do something that you might fail at, but you can really learn from and and, uh, trying to overcome your fears, uh, get out of your comfort zone. And that's where the real reward is. I totally agree with Jack Canfield. And uh, since Andrew already did our closing prayer for us today, I want to again thank you for joining us for this Run the Race podcast. And again, I would love for you to go on to specifically Apple Podcasts, go to the bottom of the episode page and you can write a quick review, give us a five-star rating, tell us what you think, and also uh, let us know what you would like to hear about on this uh, podcast that we put out on a weekly basis talking about fitness and faith. You can go to WTVM.com slash podcast there. You can catch up on the previous 14 episodes and also let us know, uh, you know if there's something that an idea of you would like to, to hear about or somebody you would like us to talk to. So again, uh, thank you for joining us and I hope you have a, a great end of February and a great start to March. We'll see you later on.